Good morning, everyone. <laughs> How are you all this morning? As Jesse mentioned before, I am joining you from our home. Uh, this, uh, to be honest, was not the plan. We were planning to be on site today, uh, but uh, if any of you ha have, are aware of our situation, about Friday night, uh, we uh, ha received an email from our body corporate and we were told that our building had become a tier two exposure site, which meant that the following morning, Saturday morning, we needed to test, get tested immediately as a family and wait for the test results to come out. Now, uh, we've tested uh, as a family or had uh, individual tests many times already. And generally the test results do come out within the day or at least uh, less than 24 hours because of how quick the, turn, uh, the turnover has been recently. But for a reason that we can only say is God's timing, uh, we uh, have had to change our plans today and the results have actually just come out <laughs> at 11.55. Edwin received his results and uh, we d he does not have COVID. I have not checked my results just yet because uh, I'm currently tuning in through my phone on Zoom so I could preach the word of God to you all this morning. But all I can say is, Firstly, I am so grateful for our team who is on site. If you are on the YouTube chat, why don't you cheer for our team? We have Jason who had to have a crash course in learning how to direct and set everything up this morning with Edwin on the phone. And um, he pretty much has smashed everything. So well done, Jace. We couldn't be here without you. And um, to Kevin as well this morning, Kevin McKinley, who uh, received a text this morning and a call as well. And he was ready to serve. He came on site, Jesse the same way. And of course, we want to thank Vivian um, and Cecil as well, who could be on site to worship. So. Thankfully, we do have a team of five on site and because of their ministry, I can be tuning in from home this morning to preach the word of God. <laughs> uh, all I can say is I believe that the Lord has an appointment with us and be it this way, I am believing that his work is definitely not hindered by the work, uh, by the events that are happening around us and we are about to look at that today. So today, if uh, we can't have slides, obviously, because this is the setup uh, that we are with. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have uh, it on your phone, would you, or, or perhaps a physical Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter nine? We are back in the study of the book of John. A couple of weeks ago, uh, William preached on John chapter eight. Uh, he preached on the first half of that chapter. And then we have other speakers who will be uh, preaching the rest of that chapter in the coming weeks. But today we are going to look at John chapter nine and we're gonna look at the first 11 verses of that. So if you are there with me, I'm gonna be reading from the ESV version. Here we go. Jesus heals a man born blind. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. 
And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he, he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. And others said, no, but he is like him. He, uh, he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how will your eyes open? And this man answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and washed and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray uh, before we begin. Lord, we just want to thank you for this day. This is, again, we declare a day that you have made and we will rejoice, Lord, and be glad in it. Lord, we don't know the times that we are living in right now. Many of us are simply confused. Many of us are feeling the need to adjust things in our lives. But Lord, we know that ultimately you are a God who is in control. You can reign sovereign over everything, every event that happens in this world. And, and Lord, so give us the grace to trust you. Give us the grace to follow your guidance every day, Lord. Lord, open our eyes to understand your word today. Speak to us in our living room, wherever it is we are tuning in, Lord. We desire to hear from you. We desire to be refreshed by your word, Lord. We desire to be comforted by you. Lord, if there are things that we are in need of help, Lord, humble us that we would come to you, our Savior, the light of the world, and receive healing today. Lord, we know that you have an appointment with us and we know that nothing that happens around us can hinder your work from being done. So Holy Spirit, I ask that your will be done wherever we are tuning in from. We know that nothing can restrict you, Lord, from having your way. We thank you again. We surrender this time in your word, in your, uh, into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we pick up here in chapter nine, to give you a bit of context, this encounter with between Jesus and the blind beggar actually happens after Jesus is threatened to be stoned. Uh, after in chapter eight, we, we learned that he had defended that woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus was then uh, caught in a heated conversation uh, with the religious leaders. And at the end of chapter eight, 
find that these religious leaders were so filled with hatred toward him that they wanted to stone him. Now, Jesus is then leaving the temple. He hid himself from them when he sees this blind man sitting near the temple gate. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the target of such intense hatred, I would be focused on trying to get as far away from my enemies as possible. And I would be too disturbed to pay attention to what was happening around me. Goodness, even waiting for test results sometimes, <laughs> even knowing that we may not have symptoms or after praying, knowing that the peace of God is upon us, sometimes it can leave us sort of emotionally tense to the point that it's hard to really pay attention to what's around us, but not Jesus. The son of God is unlike any other man. You see moments after his enemies try to stone him, we see Jesus stopping to serve a blind beggar. There are four things that we can learn from this scripture today. The first thing is that nothing frustrates God, nothing. And I can't tell you how interesting it is that I am speaking this point in the situation that we find ourselves in today. We, for some reason, as we were planning this week, we thought we were going, we, we had plans to be on site and there was a moment that we got frustrated that the test results were not out in time or within a convenient time for us to be able to go with our plans. Now, if you look in this case, Jesus had just been rejected by the religious leaders. He had just declared himself to be the light of the world. But even after that rejection, even after being met with such intense hatred, he, it, nothing could stop him from still seeking and saving the lost. You see, God was not surprised by the actions of men, by the actions of those people, nor was he influenced by them. God will accomplish his purposes sovereignly, despite what human beings have planned. In his prologue, in John chapter 1, John says this in verses 10 to 11, that the Son of God, the Word became flesh. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't even recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. You see, there's no doubt that Jesus would have felt emotionally the hatred of his own creation, of his own people toward him, but he was not defeated by it. He was not overcome by it. You see, man's darkness could not overcome the light of the world. He was the light and nothing could hinder him from obeying his father's will and carrying out his father's plan in this bland, blind man's life. I believe that is exactly what is happening here today, that despite what restrictions we have to navigate through, despite whatever changes may come or consequences of this pandemic we may need 
to experience. Nothing can hinder the work of God. Here we are, church, still fellowshipping from one living room to another. Here we are still praying, still engaging with the word of God together, still in community. Nothing can hinder the work of God. Having already entered into spring here in Melbourne, us maybe feeling even frustrated over how 2021 has turned out. I know a lot of us came into 2021 with a certain level of optimism, but perhaps never, uh, never in our wildest dreams would we have imagined that we would be back in our sixth lockdown and with the cases still rising. Now these lockdowns may have canceled our plans, but they certainly haven't canceled God's plans. The sixth lockdown has not frustrated God nor his purposes one bit. Nothing can hinder the work of the Lord. If we go back to John's uh, prologue in verse five, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see this image of light that is simply unstoppable and cannot be overcome. It cannot be extinguished by the darkness, but in fact, it extinguishes the darkness. God has not promised a life without battles, but he has promised victory over them in his name. So church, let's continue to obey him. Let's continue to surrender our lives to him. By his grace, let's continue to walk in the path that God has established for us. God has a plan for your life and for mine, and his purposes have not been hindered or frustrated by this lockdown, by these restrictions, by this pandemic. And because God is for us, every battle that you and I face is only a pathway to victory. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. We may, not, we may now know, we may not know, sorry, where we are going. I don't know about you, but I don't know what tomorrow may bring. We found ourselves in a tier one exposure site a couple of weeks ago, and Friday night we find ourselves in a tier two exposure site. We don't know what, what's going to happen next. We don't know where we're going. But as long as we are following the Lord, we have nothing to fear. As long as you are following your shepherd, as long as you are following your savior, the light of the world, you have nothing to fear. I'm going to do something different as we go through the word of God today, as we preach. I believe that this is an opportunity for us as a church, and I'm speaking to Pray Center here, us as a church to continue to pray. Continue to pray. Believe that even though you may be in your living room, that we are joining in fellowship. We are still united by the spirit of God. We are still the body of Christ together, alive, at work, and unstoppable even today. And so let's take a moment, church. Just however, you, maybe you may be with your family, with a spouse, with a, with a housemate, with a friend, tuning in. Take a moment to to pray, pray, pray that we will be unstoppable. Pray that we will continue to be fearless in carrying out the word of 
the will of God today. Pray that no matter what restrictions may come, no matter how things may change, we will continue to step out boldly in faith and carry out the will of God in our lives. So take a moment now. I'm going to pray. And why don't you join me in prayer? I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if any of you were confused, suddenly you have from the tech team that our voice is gone. That's because I wanted you to pray your prayer and me to pray my prayer. So if we do that again, which we will do after every point, know that my voice is not gone. <laughs> There's no need to panic. But it is your moment to pray your prayer at home. Pray out loud. Pray however you want. Pray in the spirit. <laughs> but I was just praying then that our church will simply know that we are filled with the spirit of the living God. And we can continue to face these times with boldness, with fearlessness, knowing that whatever comes, the church of God is unstoppable. And God will continue to build his church in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the second thing we can learn from this scripture is that God's desire is to seek and to save the lost. In fact, Jesus made it clear in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, this blind man was living in a state of hopelessness and hopelessness, much like the man who was invalid back in chapter five, his neighbors and those who were year after year would pass by him at the temple gates. They saw him as a beggar. And we know later from verse 18 that this man actually had parents, but he was living as an outcast. You see, in an honor and shame culture, because of his circumstances, society had deemed this man dishonorable. Jesus' disciples, we read from the scripture before, saw him as a sinner. But it was Jesus alone who saw this man as a person in need of help. And Jesus came to save him. Another thing we note is that this man was not actually seeking Jesus. We don't find him praying or we don't find him seeking or, uh, or asking others about a man uh, that, uh, about a man who was healed because I'm sure word about Jesus would have spread. We do not see this man. This man was also physically incapable of seeing Jesus walk past, but it was Jesus who sought him. Jesus saw him first. The apostle Paul is another man who was not seeking Jesus when Jesus came to him. In fact, 
Jesus, before his encounter with Christ, in fact, just before his encounter with Christ, we read in Acts chapter 9, Paul was on his way to arrest more Christians. He was persecuting the very people of God. And so we understand from this that God pursues the lost. If you are a believer, a believer, if you are a Christian today, it is because God has pursued you. You see, the Bible describes the state of this world as being in darkness. And in darkness, that's another illustration of how helpless we are, how unable we are to get ourselves out of this situation. But the light of the world came and his light has shone on your heart so that you would see him and be saved. You see, God's mercy is greater than your sins. And it takes me back to the lyrics of this well-known hymn that I'm sure many of us are familiar with. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus not only restored this man's physical sight, but he also gave him spiritual sight. If you are tuning in today, and you do not believe in Jesus yet. Know that he is able to do for you what he did for this blind man. Whatever desperate situation you have found yourself in, the Lord sees you. You are not lost to him because he is pursuing you. And his desire is to help and to save you. Nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing. The light of the world wants to save you from the darkness inside of you and the darkness around you. You see, perhaps your Christian friends have been inviting you to church, which is why you're tuning in today. Or maybe someone close to you continues to tell you about what God has done in their lives, and they continue to inch you closer to knowing Jesus. And you are here because you simply want to learn about God. Maybe you don't have a particular feeling of wanting to seek him, but you are here nonetheless. Well, know that the Lord sees you. The Lord sees you, and he loves you. He is calling you in to a relationship with him. You see, this blind man, we read, he receives his sight by obeying Jesus' words. And Jesus was not saying to him, go obey these laws and you can have a relationship with me. No, it was a simple command. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. It was as simple as that. It was simple and it was personal to this man. We don't see Jesus saving other people this way. But for this man, it was personal. And in the same way, the word of God will speak to you personally. This is the word of the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe 
That's it. Believe. It's simple. And it's a personal invitation for you. So will you believe? Will you trust in Jesus? If you respond today like this blind man did, Jesus will give you spiritual sight. And not only that, but a new spiritual life. And your life is going to be changed. So if that is you, let's take a moment. If you are sensing that God is calling you into relationship with him, why wait? Respond to him. You can trust in him and he can do for you what he did for this man. And so if that is you, I'm going to invite you into a prayer. I'm going to invite you. You see, we're going to be praying a lot today. I'm going to invite you into this prayer with me. All you have to do is say after me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that the separation between us is because of my sin. And I confess that I have sinned. Fallen short of your glory. But thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay for the penalty of my sin. I believe that he died on the cross for me. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. So I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me and cleanse me. I want to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. You have prayed that prayer and you know this is your response to the call Jesus has personally made to you. I'm going to ask you after this, after the sermon, to simply fill in one of our connect forms. And we want to be connected with you if you are not part of our church yet. But if you are, connect, let the person who invited you to church today, let them know, and we will help you with the next steps. Amen. Now, the third thing that we learn from this blind man's encounter with Jesus is that Personal suffering is not always a direct result of personal sin. It's so common nowadays to see when somebody is suffering, we're all too quick to judge and assume that their suffering is due to something that they have done, a wrong that they have committed, a mistake, a failure that they have made. But Jesus says this is not the case with this man. You see, in verse 2, Jesus' disciples said, immediately assume the same upon this blind man. Who sinned, Rabbi? Or was it his parents who sinned? And Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned. His suffering has nothing to do with his personal sin, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, while it's true that all suffering in this world is a result of the fall. And we find ourselves in this broken world. And therefore, sin technically is a consequence 
uh, sorry, and for suffering is a consequence of sin in general. But you see, according to the Bible, there is a difference between the suffering experienced by a Christian and the suffering experienced by a non-Christian. What is this difference? The difference is that the, Christ, the Christian suffers uh, per, uh, purposefully. In other words, there is purpose to their suffering. You see, whenever a Christian endures suffering, and it may be because of a personal sin, or it may not be, it may be because they have found themselves in the consequence of this broken world. But we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. And so suffering is never wasted in the Christian's life. Even if you had made many mistakes in the past and you decided to start a new life with Jesus, he can turn all those failures into blessing for your life. He can redeem your past. All that is not wasted in his hands when he is your Lord and Savior. We see from the word of God that there are a number of reasons why God may allow suffering in a believer's life. The first is we see that God uses suffering to discipline his children. You see, a, a, a quote that sticks to me about discipline comes from Timothy Keller. And he says, when parents discipline a child, they allow or introduce a milder form of pain in order to teach or mature the child from behavior that will lead to far greater pain later. And in the same way, some suffering is allowed by God to teach us what is wrong and to get us back on the path that he has set before us. And we read this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 to 7 and 11. He says, it says, my son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary and reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as a son. For what son is there for whom the father does not discipline? For the moment, all discipline seems painful, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when you as a Christian are confronted with suffering, the first thing you should ask is whether it is intended for your correction. And if so, we need to confess our sin and come back to the path that God has chosen for us. God may also allow a believer to suffer, to build their character and to make them more like Christ. An example of this is in 2 Corinthians 1 verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 4. We've been meditating about this verse quite a while now in our prayer nights. It says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. 
the Apostle Paul was saying that the troubles that he and Timothy experienced, which really, really, really caused uh, a lot of despair in them, it taught them to rely on God and it prepared them to serve others who were suffering. Another quote by Timothy Keller on the topic of suffering is this, painfully, suffering is almost a prerequisite if we are going to be of much use to other people. Those who suffer tend to be the most compassionate to those who suffer. So there could be, so our son could come because of God's correction in our lives, or it may be that God is building our character. But in this case, in the case of the blind man, Jesus made it clear that he was suffering so that the grace of God will be revealed in his life. In particular, this man's encounter with Jesus would reveal Jesus as the light of the world. Job was another man that we read in the Bible who experienced the kind of suffering that was not a direct result of his sin, but was bringing glory to God. There is this whole book, if you are not familiar with Job, there is a whole book about him in the Old Testament in the Bible, and it is dedicated to his story. You see, his friends made the mistake of assuming that Job's, Job's suffering was related to his moral failure. But God had, in fact, allowed him to suffer in order to show that Job's love for the Lord was not because of what he could get out of him, but because the Lord was worthy of his love. And when that period of suffering ended for Job, the Lord rewarded him for his faithfulness, and it was a great reward. You see, we re I realize that God sometimes does in my life that I don't understand at the moment. But down the road, a few weeks or months later, or sometimes even years, I begin to see what God has was doing and why he was doing a certain thing in my life. And so whatever you are going through today, if you are in the Lord, you don't have to know all the answers, but you can continue to trust God through the pain, through the mess. The one who sent his only son to take, to suffer with you and to suffer for you, to take the punishment that you and I deserve. He is working for your good. The final thing that we learn from Jesus' encounter with this blind man is that God wants us, he wants his church to get to work. In verse four, it says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. If you are a Christian, hey, pray center church. God has given you work to do. The work of making disciples is not just for some believers, it's for all. God has called you to partner with him. What a privilege in advancing his kingdom. You see, many things may be stopping right now in terms of work. Many non-essential work right now may be on hold, 
but the one thing that will always continue, the one thing that remains to be the most essential work is God's work of advancing his kingdom. And he continues to invite you to partner with him in his work. Everyone who knew this blind beggar had either judged him or they didn't even care enough to know his story and his needs. But Jesus noticed him and he loved him and he served this man. Both in chapter eight and chapter nine, we see Jesus moved with compassion, bending down to save the helpless. In chapter eight, he bent down to draw a line in the sand to save the woman who had been caught in adultery. And in chapter nine, he bends down to make mud and to use it to heal the blind man. In both instances, Jesus gets his hands dirty to help the needy. Particularly during this time, the need is great. And I'm sure you are aware of that. God has called you to bear his light and to be a blessing to those who are in need. You see, if we remain with other Christians, the light of God doesn't really shine that brightly. It is only in the darkness that the light of God shines brightly, that the glory of God will be seen. Do you see other people as problems, like these passerby, passersby? Or do you see these other people just as sinners? Maybe they're going through the challenges because of some wrong that they've made, some wrong choices that they've made, just like the disciples did. Or do you see people the way Jesus did? as those in need of love and help. We can only serve God in this lifetime. This is our chance. If we have breath and we have been saved into his family, this is our time to serve him missionally, to carry on that mission, to go and make disciples. Later on, when we cross over to eternity, we can't do that anymore. This is the only time we have, and this pandemic has not stopped or frustrated the work of God. So, as I close today, I'm gonna to read from Matthew chapter nine, verse 36 to 38. And I'm gonna ask us as a church to pray together. We're gonna to be awkward again. I'm gonna be silent again, but that means that you are gonna be praying in your living rooms. You're gonna be praying your own prayer in your living rooms. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. They were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Perhaps you are being moved right now, church, to pray for God to send workers into the field, or perhaps you are saying, here I am, Lord, send me. So we're gonna be awkward again, and I'm gonna be silent, and I'm gonna pray my prayer, and I'm gonna give you a chance to pray your prayers in the living room.
Amen. If you have been witnessing and you have sensing that you are just getting nowhere, just know that if the light of God is shining over a person's life, you see, just like plants need sunlight to grow. If the light of God continues to shine, the seeds will grow. Don't give up. Continue to witness boldly. Nothing frustrates the plans of God. God is the one who pursues and we get to participate in his work. God is calling you to go out, to share his good news, to make disciples. You see, why did John make the detail or, or just give us that detail in this scripture that the man was to wash in the pool of Siloam, which meant sent? If you joined our fast and you study chapter seven with us, you would know that this is the same pool from which the priests would get water uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles and they would pour it out uh, on the altar as part of that ceremony on the last day of that feast. And this was to remind them of God's provision of water in the desert. And it was in that moment that Jesus said that he is living water. You see, the moment this, this man received the living water of Christ, he, his eyes were opened. And not only that, his life was changed. But not only that, he was then sent in the world to tell about and to witness about the light of the world that God may be glorified. God has sent you and I. May the work of God not be hindered in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, church, for tuning in. Let us worship the Lord again.